This is episode 62 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us today, Blaine Disrude, Research Analyst. Welcome. Hi, Danny. Trevor Narges, Senior Trader. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. Good morning. Of course, obviously, I want to say thank you to everyone that comes back and listens week after week. If you like what you hear, please feel free to share with a friend, colleague, or family member. We obviously really enjoy making these. We like spreading the word, and it means a lot. So let's dive into it. Blaine, what do we got coming up this week? Yeah, we got a real busy week for data information coming out. Uh, Senior Loan Officer Survey on Banking is coming out today. Uh, That'll be a big indication as to how banks are handling higher rates, how they're tightening their lending conditions and what we're seeing there. I mean, we have some data on essentially loan applications for cars and the rejection rate is getting to almost all-time highs that we've seen. So there's things happening under the hood there in the banking sector that is cause for for some concern, but we'll get some more information today on that. We've got manufacturing data coming out. Uh, It's expected to be sub-50 again, which means contractionary. With that, we'll hopefully see some improvement there, but uh, it's still supposed to be in contractionary uh, environment. We'll also get employment data this week, so we'll continue to see how the jobs market is essentially holding up. Our employers continuing to employ unemployment numbers come with that as well, so uh, we'll get quite a bit of good data this week on, on that. And then lastly, ISM uh, Services Index comes out, so we'll see how the service sector is holding up as well. And it'll be interesting to see how some of this data relates into kind of our first strength here that we're talking about, because the conference board recently just said that consumer confidence rose to 117 in July from the revised 110 in June. And I do think that a lot of that, I guess, exuberance, positivity, whatever you want to call it, I think that some of that is attributable to the wealth effect, given that the market has been so strong this year, right? Consumers are more confident, portfolios are up, their stocks are doing well, bonds have lagged, but still up, right? The aggregate bond index is still up this year. Underneath the hood, we'll see if things are starting to change somewhat, but overall, I guess people's attitude has been positive so far this year. Well, it feels good when you open up your bank account or your investment account and you see the numbers are essentially green and it gives you that good feeling, right? I think a big strength for us is is generally the economy so far this year, right? Like GDP estimates are going up from where they were. We're kind of getting this this inflection point of, okay, everyone's starting to say the the soft landing is a real thing, if not a no recession sort of situation. It'll be interesting to see kind of how things go going forward here because commodity prices have been strong. We'll get into that a little bit later as what that might mean for inflation down the road. But, you know, you take commodities and commodity adjacent names, you know, copper stocks been doing well. Iron ore futures have been strong. Steel stocks, you know, you name it. You look kind of across the board in commodities. They've been they've been pretty strong as of late. We'll see what continues to happen here going forward because we are rolling off some base effects. Blaine, let's talk about what are we seeing in fixed income as well? What's been strong there? Yes. So with a strong economy comes strong credit, essentially. So what you've seen is high yield has actually performed very well this year. Spreads on high yield have compressed. So they started the year essentially around 450 basis points over Treasury, so 4.5% greater than Treasuries as far as yield goes. They compressed going into March and then exploded out 
past 500 basis points when we had the banking crisis that we saw. And then since then, when the Fed essentially stepped in and started helping back banks and the FDIC said we'll insure pretty much anything that's out there, spreads have since compressed rapidly from that. And year to date, high yield has been one of the best performing fixed income sub-asset classes. And long duration actually has been one of the more, I'd say, weaker ones. And that kind of segues right into our weaknesses this year. The weakness for the year essentially has been the bond market returns versus what expectations were coming into the year. Everyone said, you know what, it's time to overweight fixed income, time to get in, get back into bonds. Let's start backing up the truck on that, if you will. And, and you're actually getting compensated to take on other companies' debts and, and loan out money and get paid for that. And really, returns this year on the aggregate bond index is 1.5%. And you turn and look at the equity markets and you have very robust returns there. So it's been, in essence, it's a positive return, but it's been a weakness. It's hard for people to wrap their heads around that too, right? Because we had one of the worst years that we ever had in the fixed income markets in 2022. So people naturally thought, you know, just kind of on an absolute basis, given the level of the drawdown that we saw, well, maybe it really is time for for bonds to run here. And people said that and the equity market heard it and just decided, okay, see you later. And it's been off to the races ever since. So the bond market still has good outlook going forward that it's not to say like, oh, the bond market's just done and we can't, we shouldn't invest in that. It's it's a matter of you have four plus percent across the curve, essentially, on treasuries now. So anywhere you invest along the curve, you're getting almost four percent in a treasury. And then if you go into corporates or high yield, let's say now you're getting five, six and in high yield space, getting almost nine percent. So you're getting compensated. It's just that the returns year to date have not been so robust. Right. With that, the other weakness that we've been seeing is margin trends and then earnings downgrades and outlooks kind of going forward. Uh, there's this compression happening in that margin space where over the last year, year plus, companies were able to raise prices, get margin expansion. Now the back half of that is, okay, costs continue to come in tighter. Wages have continued to, you, you've seen wage gains and all that is cost going into a company's income statement and that's starting to compress that bottom line. And it goes back to something we routinely talk about as a team is what drives margin expansion, right? Is it really pricing power um, where not even pricing power? Is it just kind of on higher prices and there's more revenues as a result of higher prices? Maybe they're able to keep costs somewhat the same. So you just have, you know, that price increase that's expanded margins. Or is it a combination of maybe that with also higher volumes? You like to see higher volumes because it shows that the company's capturing more market share, things like that. So important to watch. We've seen revenues increase, but with those costs rising, uh, market doesn't like that margin compression. And you know, you've started to see as a result of this earnings season. Uh, you know, our colleague Jason Cooper, one of our other research analysts, has been on multiple calls throughout this earnings season so far. And you know guidance for next year has started to come down a little bit too because people are starting to see that margin expansion so it'll be interesting to see how things play out Uh, let's segue into our opportunities and this one has been one we've mentioned before Uh, we're going to talk about it again but i'm going to talk about some some breakdown inside of that thought process so adding some duration in the fixed income area so we've talked about adding duration Really, we mean gradually looking at adding duration inside a portfolio, kind of lagging into this higher rate environment and stretching out those maturities inside of one's portfolio. And the reason for that, and not just jumping in with two feet and saying, hey, interest rates are higher, let's lock in these higher rates for longer, 
uh, is you've got quite a few different dynamics happening. Last week was a, a big one with Bank of Japan more or less coming out and saying, hey, yield curve control is starting to wane here. We're going to actually allow interest rates to drift higher. On Thursday caused the 10-year U.S. Treasury rate to spike about 15 basis points. So you got a number of outside factors happening right now that are causing the volatility inside the interest rate environment to be very, very volatile. And that's going to take some time to to play out. You got U.S. essentially issuing treasuries left and right. And we got about $1.5 trillion of treasury issuance coming in the next year or two. And that's to backfill what we had essentially happen with the TGA, Treasury General Account, going into June, given the debt ceiling situation. And now we're running a huge deficit as a country, which will happen for the next decade, essentially, given what the budget numbers look like. And that's going to just continue to have treasuries get issued. But on the back of that, you got monetary policy being restrictive, right? So those two coming at each other is what's causing that volatility, because you have one that's essentially being let's say, stimulative with the the deficit that we're running, but then monetary policy being restrictive. And in the end, if monetary policy wins out, you got very restrictive rates, they break something in the system or financial markets, we believe that that interest rates should come down at some point to accommodate for that slowdown in economic activity. So that's why we talk about adding duration or looking at adding duration in one's portfolio. It's interesting because you said the word volatility and how that pertains to the bond market and what we've seen with rates so far this year and things like that. And I kind of want to take that and spin that to the equity side of things, too, because we've really seen a lack of volatility within the equity markets this year. VIX is historically low. The market is essentially implying that there's an opportunity for protection. It's pricing protective puts on the S&P 500 at quite cheap levels compared to what we've seen in recent history. You know, when you're looking at some of those potentially longer dated contracts or even over the course of the next few months, that has been cheap. So the market is saying that there's an opportunity there for protection. I think you can also think of it from another way and say that maybe there's an opportunity in kind of the minimum volatility factor. So names that tend to be less riskier, less volatile than the market, um, there could be an opportunity there going forward if volatility begins to pick up. Equity markets have done so well year to date. And then you have off the back of that implied volatility being so low, it gives you this signal, if you will, that like, hey, there might be something brewing or, you know, the market's pricing in essentially that we're just going to continue to drift higher and to apply some protection or take some risk off the table. Uh, It's a bit of a a signal, if you will, that it might be time to at least take some gains and reallocate, if you will. With that, moving into threats, getting two different areas coming at this. So one is the potential for a soft landing and what that does from an inflation standpoint. And realistically, if we do have a soft landing and we do see demand pick up across multiple economies, not just ours, but let's say China and overseas in Europe, inflation could start to reaccelerate. And you've seen commodity prices, we talked about that as a strength, start to actually get a bid here. And that that starts to raise prices across the board just from an input cost standpoint, which causes the likelihood of a potential for reacceleration in inflation. Definitely a potential there. I think a counterpoint that you and I talked about offline before we came in here too, is that if there's more margin pressure on the way, which you know we've started to see, we just talked about that and with what we're seeing in earnings season, pricing power might not be as strong as maybe people has, have thought that it's been, and it could translate into inflation maybe not being able to pick up that much, right? If companies are seeing their bottom lines get hit a little more, maybe they need to start cutting back on certain line items that aren't doing well, maybe 
their labor force, right? Maybe they have to lay people off who maybe aren't mission critical, or maybe they realize that they can scale things back. So you have this interesting dichotomy where, yeah, you've had commodity prices be really strong. Maybe that contributes to inflation continuing to drift higher. But, you know, you roll off these base effects. If you're maybe in more of the hard landing camp, you maybe see what I just talked about, right? Maybe there is more margin pressure. Maybe people have to get laid off. People lose their jobs. They're not able to spend as much. There's not as much discretionary spend that goes on. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, there is the threat that inflation could reaccelerate, but there's also the threat that maybe it doesn't because things start to weaken underneath the hood here. Talking about weakening and not having that reacceleration in inflation, but due to economic slowdown, you're seeing delinquencies on loans. We talked about the application situation with auto loans and the rejection rates there coming from banks. Get some more information again today from that senior loan officer survey, really starting to break down from a financial standpoint and and debt standpoint, how are one consumers doing and then banks on the back half of that doing as well. We talked about high yield credit being a strength, but when you look at what's happening in the bond market itself, and we just had essentially a default today and a company go bankrupt yellow the trucking company the default rate is over the last 12 months about two percent which is below historical norms but it's trending higher and it's trending higher fast and that is a cause for concern we're on a pace to essentially get to four percent default rate which is above historical norms historical norms has been around three percent so if we are trending towards this higher default rate of four percent credit spreads, like I talked about before, are at 400 basis points. You have a mispricing where those spreads should widen. Companies are going to continually have issues issuing new debt and continuing to pay for that higher interest rate on that debt going forward. So there's issues that are brewing in the in the high yield debt space. Yeah, and you have it in the consumer area of the market as well, right? You talk about delinquencies on loans and leases. You know, we'll get some of that car related data this week. We kind of talked about it as a team not too long ago, but like the average monthly payment on new cars that people are paying, it's it's crazy. Credit card interest rates have increased and people are becoming more reliant on those to pay their bills. So we're starting to see things brew. Again, the stock market's not the economy. So, you know, it could mean that markets continue to do well. Maybe they have looked past this and whatnot. But from an economic standpoint, those are threats underneath the hood. Episode 62, the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. What's our headline strength this week? That would be the economy. Headline weakness. Bond market returns versus expectations to start the year. Headline opportunity. Gradually adding duration and commodities have been looking attractive. And our headline threat. Parts of the consumer base are starting to struggle. Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. And Blaine Disrude, research analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.